Proverbs 7, verse 1 through 5, these are God's words. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. One prerequisite to understanding verses 1 through 5 well is, is the reminder that a godly father is to give his children not merely his own instruction, but the instruction of the Lord. That the words of God in Scripture communicating to us the mind of God by the Spirit of God form uh, the uh, foundation and the chief shape of a parent's instruction. Uh, and that all of a parent's other instruction is under whatever the Bible teaches. So that we are not trying to shape our own households as we wish, but we are yielding to God as those who belong to him and recognizing our children as also covenantally belonging to him. So not only as his creatures, but as his own covenant people being obligated to him. This is something, of course, that is uh, tied together well throughout the book of Proverbs, uh, where the instruction of a father is equated with the wisdom of God, not because a father is as God to his children, but because the father is under God and therefore God's emissary to his children. And so what we are to do with the words of a godly father who speaks and teaches and leads in this manner is not just to learn from them and remember them and have them as one among many inputs uh, in um, into how we think and how we live, uh, but we are to keep them, we are to treasure them uh, within us. Uh, this means that we see the words of God in particular in the Bible, uh, and uh, if we're doing this rightly, we will treasure the instruction of a godly father in particular when we see it also from the Bible, so that the Bible most of all is the authority, uh, but God's good providence to us then, placing us under greater obligation. Uh, remember that just as a sin is made more heinous if it is against grace or against knowledge or against good that God has done unto us, so contrapositively a righteousness is more obligatory uh, by how much grace and how much goodness and how much instruction God has given to us or shown to us. And so we receive the words as God's mercifully giving us a path of life. Those things that are not earned by us, they are not a works principle. The law of God comes to us within the administration of uh, the covenant of grace. It comes from a God who has redeemed us. It comes from a God who has himself earned the blessing that he gives to us, therefore, not by earning, but by promise. And one of the ways that he blesses us is he gives us good instruction by his spirit, and then he graciously works in us by his spirit 
to give us obedience to that instruction. And then he graciously gives us the happiness and blessedness and good life that comes even through the mechanism of walking according to that instruction. There is not a works principle. There is not a merit principle. Uh, and this is what he is saying here when he says, keep my commands and live. Um, those who uh, read the do this and live of, uh, for instance, Leviticus 18.5 as a quote-unquote works principle are misreading like the Judaizers were, like the Jews largely did, like the Pharisees did. Uh, and so uh, if I come to you as a father and say, keep my instruction and live, I'm not warning that uh, if you don't, I'm going to execute you. I am telling you that the gracious God who gave to me to be your father and who gave to you to be my children has given us in his mercy a mechanism by which we live a happy, blessed, peaceful, fruitful life together. The instructions of God given from a father to a child. And so uh, we don't just keep the commands and live, but we keep fatherly instruction or law uh, here is a, a good place for us to remember that the word Torah, which is most often translated law, has as its core meaning the fatherly instruction of God. He called Israel his firstborn son and said, let my firstborn son go that he may serve me. And he gathered Israel to himself as a firstborn son at the mountain and gave them his law, his fatherly instruction for how they were going to live as a family. We are actually coming in the book of Matthew in a couple of weeks' time. Lord willing, next Lord's Day, we're going to have a summary of the first four chapters of the arrival of the king and his gathering himself to himself a people. And then what's going to happen is he's going to gather his disciples at a mountain and give them instruction. Uh, it is a display of the Lord Jesus, uh, not only as true Abraham and true Adam and true David, as we have seen him to be already throughout the book of Matthew, uh, but now true and great and final Moses and Yahweh at the same time. He gathers his people to himself, his disciples to himself, and he gives him the principles by which those who are redeemed by grace into his kingdom live joyfully and profitably and fruitfully as members of his kingdom. And so we keep his instruction as the apple of our eye, which is both treasure and focus. Treasure, the apple of your eye, is uh, that which is your delight. Uh, and then also focus, the apple of your eye or the pupil uh, in your eye uh, is uh, there at the center of everything uh, that you see. Uh, and this language of apple of your eye then in verse 2 uh, was, is connected to as frontlets between your eyes uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And you remember also then, not just as frontlets between your eyes, but bound on your hands. Now, there are some who, uh, who read that in a very uh, un-understanding way, ignorant way, and they actually wrote out on little pieces of papers, uh, little pieces of paper, uh, Bible verses, uh, and they made tiny little boxes to hold the pieces of paper, and they wore the box either in between their eyes <coughs> or on the back of their hands, and they thought, ha-ha, we're keeping it. But 
the uh, apple of your eye or between your eyes or the binded to your hands or bound to your fingers, verse 3, are actually explained here in the parallelism of the Hebrew poetry in the second half of verse 3. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And thankfully, this does not mean perform open heart surgery and install a box there too with the scriptures scribbled on a piece of paper. It's explaining what it means to bind God's word on our eyes and uh, and on our hands. It means to have his word as what controls how we think, what controls what we desire, what we contr- what controls um, what uh, what pleases us, to uh, what controls our decision making. Uh, to have the words of God written on the tablet of our heart. Uh, now revisiting what we said at the beginning of of explaining this portion of the word, how great is the responsibility of a Christian father, of a Christian parent, to teach according to the word of God, if God is going to come to that covenant child and say, have the words of your parents written on the tablets of your heart. Nothing belongs there except God's word. And so there's a great submission uh, on the behalf of uh, of parents that is uh, required there. Uh, but this isn't um, uh, this isn't the drudgery of obligation, as First John five teaches us. If we love God and keep His commandments from love, His commandments are not burdensome. Uh, and so He tells us not just where to have His wisdom, but how to relate to His wisdom. Say to wisdom, "You are my sister." Now we love our sisters dearly, uh, and in our family we have. Um, each of us at least four, some of us five, sisters, uh, whom to love dearly. But in the Bible, it's even greater than the way you love your sisters. Because sister was one of the affectionate ways that a man would call his wife. Um, one who had, in their families, ordinarily had had multiple sisters, and protected them and cared for them and was taught the obligation that you have to a sister and the affection that you have for her, at some point he would leave father and mother and cleave or cling to his wife. And his wife then would take the place in, of, in his life of supreme sister. Uh, and so you have in the Song of Songs, the husband's affectionate refer- reference to his wife as his sister. Or you have the uh, Apostle Paul when he says, do I not have the right uh, to take along a sister who is a wife? And playing now not just upon family of origin sister, but sister in the family of God, fellow believer sister. And the greatest sister, the closest sister in all the world is his believing wife. And in this case, those two things are tied together here. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin. And this helps us with something in Proverbs chapter 5 and 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Proverbs 5 teaches us that a man's love for his bride is one of the things that keeps him from sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 teaches the same thing. But what then do you do for a single man? 
what then do you do for a man who is not yet married? Well, you can tell him uh, um, you know, out of love for uh, your wife whom the Lord may give you. And that's true. Uh, but there is a closer marriage than the marriage that we have even uh, with our earthly wife. Uh, and that marriage is that fellowship that we have with God in his word. And so his word ought to be precious to us and a companion to us, uh, always sweetening every situation that we are in. Uh, just like having a dear wife can sweeten even great trials that you go through together. Uh, having God himself by his word and the preciousness then of his word as the mechanism by which we have him. Even as we saw our Lord Jesus recently uh, in Matthew chapter 4 in the wilderness, enjoying the fellowship that he has with his father and the sweetness of every word that proceeds from his father's mouth. Uh, and therefore, uh, not vulnerable or weak before the temptation uh, to command the stones to become bread. Uh, and so uh, if God is precious to us and his word is precious to us, and we're actually having this ongoing fellowship with the word uh, in the way that we meditate upon uh, the word of God and have it within our hearts and uh, and have our moments, our happy moments, sweetened further uh, by consideration of the word of God and fellowship and the pleasantness. Our difficult moments sweetened to us, even in the midst of the pain, by the fellowship of the word of God. Then we will refuse the false companionship of the immoral woman, the seductress who flatters with her words. Her words will fall empty. Her promises will be thin because of the weightiness and richness of enjoying God in his word and enjoying his words as we walk through life. Now, that's not an either or. Of course, that's a both and. One of the things that God's word tells us is that uh, the prospect of a wife and especially the fulfillment of a good wife is something that will um, that will help us. It's one of the reasons it's so devastating to a wife when uh, her husband finds neither God in his word nor herself companion uh, to him and um, gives himself to the immoral woman or the seductress who flatters uh, with her words. But wisdom is a life companion that uh, helps us in in this uh, aspect of life in particular. And so may the Lord give us to know his word, to meditate upon his word, uh, to make right the application of binding it to our fingers that his word controls everything we extend our hands to do, binding it to our eyes that his word controls how we see everything and even what we are willing to see and gaze upon, that his word would be written on the tablet of our hearts and that he would help us in our families, and you as you are growing, desiring one day to be a parent, to have these things true of his word with you, so that when you speak to and instruct your children, you will instruct them from God's word as well, and can uh, urge them to obey this portion of the Bible with respect to your own parental instruction to your children.
Amen. Let's pray. We thank you, our gracious God and our Heavenly Father, that you have given us just now to worship you through this particular portion of your word. We pray for your spirit who not only hovers over all things in sovereign providence, not only attends us in fellowship as the one who is alongside us, but we pray for your spirit who has come to dwell in our hearts because we are your children that he would make us to know your word as your fatherly instruction to us and make us to receive it in and from the Lord Jesus, our great prophet, as also the king of our hearts, whose law is unto us the royal law. And so help us by your spirit, we pray, even after we conclude the worship. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.